Yeah, you know what? We're not going to go into this. I would call John Miss, but I would not call him Mr. It's very oh complex. God. It's my complex. Okay. I hope, you, I hope you're listening to this, John, while you're editing. <laughs> I, see, I see John as a miss. Okay, you know, it's fine. You know, we're not going to do this here. Okay. <laughs> everyone and welcome to anime club after dark the podcast that delves into all things anime manga and otaku culture related i'm your host show and joining me tonight we have alex senpai man i'm starting to get used to this not having to host these episodes <laughs> honey attack the patriarchy even though i'm also a man <laughs> down with the man rebellion uh overturn the system no <laughs> Um, speaking of systems that overturning, <laughs> that's what we're going to be talking about today, but not about political systems. We're going to be talking about magic systems. Um, and when I say magic systems, I mean sort of like superpower, fantasy, special ability, sort of mm. like, like, improvements to your body that you kind of see in a lot of shonen fighting anime like for example let's just say one punch man you know like there's the 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 main character who can punch and kill people and then you've got the cyborg and all these and the psychic lady you know that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. um so I've been, it's an interesting topic because I would say, this might be a controversial statement, but I don't think so, that, like, the shonen genre is probably the most iconic um, and popular genre of anime in the sense that when you uh, bring up the topic of anime to someone, Usually, the show that comes to their mind is most likely a shonen. And when you look at the shows that, like, blow up in the anime industry over, like, the entire course of its existence, you know, the biggest shows are usually shonen. Like, you know, in the original uh, show that blew up, like, Pokemon and Dragon Ball Z. I would certainly say that shonen is is how a lot of people, at least my age and older, got into anime. Uh, it's, I think it's how a lot of people get into anime, and that may be why it's so popular. For sure. You, we saw a resurgence in around 2013 where uh, Attack on Titan and Sword Art Online brought in a lot of new people. I would mm. say that's like the second biggest spike that brought in people. And even I would say there's like a little minor spike right now with My Hero Academia, uh, you can say that shonen is, you know, a big, um, I guess, gateway into anime. And I would mm. definitely say it's like a building block for the sort of medium in, as a whole. 
Um, I would and agree the thing, with that. Yeah, I don't think that's mm-hmm. necessarily a controversial statement. I don't know why you thought that would be controversial. <laughs> I don't know because a lot of people are like slice of life fans and fantasy fans and like etchy fans, and there are a lot. Like, I mean, anime is a very, you know, diverse uh, uh, medium, and I'm not saying that like, like a majority of the produced anime is shown in. I'm just saying that you know some of the biggest shows are are shown in. Well, and the thing but, the thing about shonen is, especially in, in context of what we're talking about today, is a lot of shonen revolve around fighting in some aspect or another, and a lot of those fights involve some kind of a magic system. Exactly. So that's why I thought this sort of topic would be, you know, interesting because it applies to a very popular subset of, you know, anime. Um, and obviously every shonen or fighting anime or whatever you have um, does it differently. They have different themes of how their superpowers work, different ways they balance them, different interactions between them, basically different ecosystems of how the powers, you know, function uh, against each other. Um, and so what we're going to be talking about today is just looking at these ecosystems and sort of, you know, evaluating and examining how the author sets up this world and how the ecosystem fits into it and seeing what they did right and wrong and stuff like that. Just doing an analysis of just the meta building of a magic system um, and what we think about it. So it's worth pointing out that when as a writer, when you're kind of coming up with a magic system, that's a huge part of world building if you're doing a fantasy story. It. It is. Uh, uh, for the a lot of the time, the core appeal of your um, story is the magic system. So mm-hmm. you have to think about how do you want this magic system to function? What are the rules around it? How do you want to thematically, you know, set it in your setting? All of that stuff is extremely relevant to how appealing and how popular your, your uh, story is going to be. Mm. Um <clears throat> And I thought that an interesting lens that we can use to look into these magic systems is the philosophy of this uh, American author, Brandon Sanderson, which who is apparently very popular, but I did not know his name until I made this doc. <laughs> I, I not only knew who he was, I've met him in person. Oh my god. Where'd I met him at a him? convention a few years ago. Which convention? Uh, I think it was Megacon in Orlando, if I'm not mistaken. Oh my god, she's met a celebrity. Wow. <laughs> um, yeah, he's apparently extremely famous that I'm apparently living under a rock, but whatever. Um, he's written uh, the Mistborn series and the Stormlight Archive. Apparently those are his most uh, popular. Stormlight is really good, by the way, if you're looking for uh, like a really good fantasy read. Hmm. I will keep that in mind. Um, so even though I hadn't heard of his name or his series, I've, I have heard of his philosophy on how to write magic before. And I do think it is a very interesting philosophy. And that's what I thought we would use to sort of stimulate this discussion. So what Brandon Sanderson, one of his, um, I guess, analyses of how to write magic is that he distinguishes magic into two distinct subcategories there is soft magic 
And there is hard magic, and we're not talking about dicks, but we are talking about <laughs> I mean, about we magic. might be. You never know. <laughs> no. Um, so I'm just going to read his definition of what soft magic is first. So he says that soft magic systems may not have clearly defined rules or limitations or provide limited exposition regarding their workings and are used to create a sense of wonder to the reader, Hmm. Um, which basically boils down to it doesn't matter what the power does on paper. It's all about who screams the loudest. That's who's going to win the fight. Which which appeals to a lot of shonen. <laughs> I mean, yeah, a lot of shonen are like that. It's not really it's not really um rocket science about who's going to win. It's more um the volume of their of their battle cries. <laughs> exactly. Who can scream the loudest? So, I think Asta automatically wins, right? That is, uh, he is a very screamy boy. (laughs) (laughs) Those poor vocal cords. Yes. Um, And just uh, in contrast so that you can uh, see the difference, um, he describes uh, the other type of magic, hard magic, as a system that follows specific rules. The magic is controlled and explained to the reader in the narrative, detailing the mechanics behind the way The magic works, and it can be used for building interesting worlds that revolve around the magic system. So basically, the magic has very specific rules, and uh, you as the reader are told the rules beforehand, and then it's not about who screams the loudest, it's about who can use their power in a creative way. And I would Mm -hmm. say one of the most iconic shows for that would be Code Geass, because mm. that show is all about how Lelouch uses his power in creative ways, um, which we as a reader already know what what how the power works, um, in order to solve the the conflicts. So a, a, a easy way to actually think about the difference between them, at least in my opinion, is a soft magic system is basically using magic as an accessory to the story, whereas with hard magic, the magic is the story. In the, I would say, uh, yes, in the sense that like, um, hard magic, the the center of the plot, like the actual, um, you know, the conflict and the resolution of the plot are all about the magic system in a hard magic yeah. system and in how it's used exactly. Whereas, uh, in a soft magic system, since um, you know, it's not really relevant how the magic works. You know, the plot could be more focused on the character arcs or more focused on the setting or more focused on the mood. It doesn't have, the plot doesn't have to revolve around the magic system. It can be uh, different aspects of the show. Mm-hmm. So soft magic is more, soft magic systems are more, I guess, versatile in how they can tell their story. Whereas hard magic systems are very uh, tied down to one way that they can do it. Hmm. Um, it's also worth mentioning that uh, I think that soft magic, or at least a- anime that utilize soft magic systems, um, tend to be more reliant on things like character and visuals than the actual story itself. For sure. In climactic scenes in soft magic, um, you know, 
since we don't really know like the limitations of how the magic works you can't really have a climactic scene be just like a person just saying you know i used my power and i won haha <laughs> like it, that wouldn't be interesting so what they have to do is they have to rely on other aspects and oftentimes that aspect are really amazing visuals and really amazing soundtrack which mm. is uh, like a lot of shows i watch for that in itself like it doesn't have to be a super complicated show it's just really enjoyable to watch mm. um i think a good example i mean like you have stuff like mob psycho 100 tokyo ghoul and fire force and i guess We'll, we'll go with those three. Um, like, they are known for very, uh, very super stellar, amazing um, visuals. Um, but the magic, like, there's no rules. We're not told what the rules of the magic is. It's, it's basically who screams the loudest. Um, <laughs> but it's still interesting to watch because it's so pretty. And or in Tokyo Ghoul's case, who edges the edgiest? <laughs> Yeah, who who has the most pain? Who scream? <laughs> who who cries the most? <laughs> um, but it's honestly like soft magic. oftentimes boils down to a more visceral experience. It's more emotional. It's it's more it's more like that rather than hard magic is more of a cerebral experience where mm. you're it like wrinkles your brain and tries to make you think <laughs> like you can like i mean with soft magic you can typically have these great um like action-packed fight scenes but it's not like the same thing couldn't happen without the magic in it like a great example i think is in the most recent season of re-zero right like there's literally a scene towards the end of it where Subaru's like how do you use that spell and uh and beatrice is like you just say the words. <laughs> it's like, all right. So ReZero, I think, is a very unique... Um, I put it as a soft magic system. Um, but I think it's a very unique in that the show itself is very cerebral. Mm. Um, but the cerebral part of the show isn't necessarily the magic. The cerebral mm. part is that it's a mystery and you have to solve the mystery. Yeah, it's it's magic that's used to solve a mystery. Exactly. And it's it's more about uh it is honestly more about characters. It's a more character-driven story and a mystery-driven story. Um it, the the story doesn't really focus on um on how the particulars of all the magic works, but it is interesting because most soft magic, the climaxes are um the are 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 like visual and mm. uh, like big fight scenes whereas i would say the climaxes of re-zero are more um like solving a mystery you know it's more it's more of a cerebral climax in re-zero the yeah. uh, the appeal of the show is more cerebral than a lot of other soft magic so it's an interesting it's an interesting edge case it is and it's magic. like well very little of the magic that you see in ReZero is even explained, like, how it works or why it works. You just kind of expected to, like, as a viewer or a reader, whatever the case may be, uh, to just accept it 
and kind of move on. Like even his like the one of the main selling points of ReZero is Subaru's return by death uh power, right? And it's mm-hmm. never really explained how it works. It's never it's at least not yet at least in the story in the anime. Um uh, it's not explained how this like reset point keeps following him further and further forward through time. That's true. Um I would say honestly the return by death is the most explained thing, which is funny because it uh, it's not that explained fully but is the most explained um, yeah it's it's the most explained because we have the, the we as a viewer have the most exposure to it so far mm-hmm. but it's still not that well explained mm-hmm. like if i think of like the the first big fight scene in the show i guess i don't want to you know i'm not going to go into specifics because i guess that's a spoiler but anyways um Basically, all of the superpowers of all of the people in ReZero, like, we don't know the scale of them. We know someone can shoot fire, but how much damage does the fire do? Like, what scale of fire? Like, is fire counted by water? Like, we don't really know. It's just like, I shoot fire and I I make people hurt. That's something else that that I think that that hard magic does better than soft magic systems is that it, it gives you a sense of scale to people's magic abilities. Yes, it's a more, it's less about sort of a set piece at the climax where the where the fight occurs, and more about who prepared the most, um, and who is. It's a battle of wits, really, mm-hmm. and you can see that a lot with um something like Death Note, which is literally battle of wits is literally that is the show. That's the description of the show, um, and I think. Death Note is another show that uses hard magic to the T. Um, oh yeah, the Death Notes like it is explained very fully how that works. In fact, as part of the original marketing, you could buy an actual Death Note and it, you could read all the rules that it had in it. Yeah, it was honestly like the main appeal of of stuff like hard magic is that you get so much exposition about how the magic works. And it's not it's not necessarily about like these adrenaline pumping moments of people like like punching each other in the face and blood spewing everywhere. It's uh, it's more about the premeditation and all of the uh, all it's 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 like it's not necessarily mystery, but sort of along the same uh, demographic people who like mystery would usually like hard magic shows because it's it's more cerebral like it it makes you think i think the appeal the appeal of death note at least from a a narrative perspective is it's it's a mystery story where you actually know the answer from the outset and it's fun watching all the other characters try to figure out the mystery although you as a viewer already know the answer Mm -hmm. it's a it's a lot like those um cop shows where the Mm. Uh, criminal tries to evade the cops um of course this criminal is uh it's a bit more um you know it's not just running away from the cops it's like actually you know you have to, there's a lot of preparation that goes into it so it's definitely a more cerebral experience than a more visceral that you get from soft magic yeah for sure so would you say you have a well i don't know like i know that you have said before that you don't really like shonen. I don't know if that's true or I just made that up. <laughs> I mean, I I'm much less 
infatuated with shonen now than I ever have been. Although there are still some shonen that I do like. I mean, I, I hate saying that this is a shonen because it seems way too violent to be a shonen, but like I love Demon Slayer. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, there's some isekai that I like that could also technically be classified as shonen, I guess. Like, I like Slime Tensei. I mean, I know that's an isekai, but it's got shonen aspects to it. Mm-hmm. So, of the few shonen you do like, would you say one uh, magic system appeals to you more? Or would you say they have their own separate appeal? Uh, I would say they have their own separate appeal, and it kind of depends on what you're looking for. Um, like, anime with, with soft magic systems, like we've said, ReZero I like. Um I I like reading Seven Deadly Sins. I can't say I like the anime too much anymore. Um, I loved uh, Mushoku Tensei, Jabba's Reincarnation. I would say that's mostly a soft magic system, at least thus far. Um, I think if you're looking for something that's easy to get into, uh, yeah, soft magic systems are great. If you're looking to actually work your fucking brain while you're watching something, yeah, a hard magic system is great. Death Note is fantastic. Code Geass, fantastic. Um, Full Metal Alchemist, another hard magic system that's fantastic. Mm-hmm. I would say there's definitely entry or shows that feature soft magic as well as hard magic that I like. I like both of them. Um, but I would say that shows that feature hard magic are the shows that I remember for a long time. Like mm. Kogios, Death Note, um, Attack on Titan, although we may disagree on that, <laughs> um, as I would consider Attack on Titan hard magic. Um, I would say I would definitely say it's hard magic. The problem is it's too fucking convoluted. And yeah, that's what I want to bring up is that with hard magic, uh, a big pitfall that you don't want to fall into is that if you bring up if you start describing things too much and you bring up too many rules, it can easily become very convoluted and confusing. And hard to follow. And turn off your readers or, or watchers. Yes. Um, so you have to make sure not to information dump too much. Or else you're you're going to lose the attention span of your audience. Um, but yeah, stuff like st- those shows, um, Kogios, Death Note, Attack on Titan, that feature hard magic, are shows that I'm going to remember for a long time. There's shows that have a longer-lasting impact on me, um, whereas um, we have soft magic shows that I liked, like Jujutsu Kaisen and Fire Force and uh, One Punch Man I really liked. I really enjoyed watching those shows. Um, I really... They were a great experience to watch, but I'm not necessarily going to... Th- think about them after they're done like they're very in the moment they're very uh entertaining for what they are yeah they're very timely whereas with the hard magic shows like they stimulate my brain and make me think for a long time after even the i've finished watching the show my sometimes my brain just thinks back to those shows and i'm like wow that was such a great time I can't stop thinking about it. But that maybe that's just me, you know. But 
I think it's because a lot of the shows that you've talked about, um, and, and and even ones we haven't talked about, that utilize hard magic. It forces the writer to actually have to come up with creative solutions. I mean, you can argue the merits of whether the the solutions work or not, but it forces writers to actually have to come up with creative solutions to solve the conflicts in the story. Uh, whereas with a soft magic system, you can just produce a landscape producing fart and you win instantly. That's true. Um, speaking of landscaping producing farts, um, one pitfall of soft magic that is that uh, can easily derail the show is that it can become cliche very quickly because mm-hmm. if you rely too heavily on screaming to to end your conflict, uh, like Black Clover. <laughs> 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 The show can become very one note, very uninteresting, uh, very basic, and bring nothing new to the table, and very boring. Um, mm. So, you, I think if you want to do a soft magic uh, show properly, you really do have to focus on the characters. Um, you have to make interesting characters. You have to develop those characters. Uh, the climax has to be... Um, uh, sort of focused around the development of the characters, and if you don't, if you don't do that, then you at least need a good budget and good visuals and good and good <laughs> and, and, and probably first and foremost, the rest of the world that you're developing has to be interesting. That also helps a lot. Yeah, if you focus on setting, that can also be very. In- but I don't think setting can carry you. I think characters can carry you. Setting can only carry you so far. Well, but, yeah, I'm saying that. Yeah. I'm saying if you have the the nicely developed characters, plus you have a, a soft magic system that works, even if it is cliche. If you add a, a really interesting setting on top of that, you probably have a winning formula. I can definitely see that for sure. Uh, I mean, even if you like, you say, even if you say like the even if the magic is cliche or how it's used, or even if it's just used to you know at like climaxes, I mean, it can still work as long mm-hmm. as everything else falls into place. Yeah, um, and yeah, you were talking about hard magic uh, doing creative solutions to conflict. Like, I guess we're a little biased in that we're talking about like some of the best. Uh, hard magic shows that have been released, like Code yeah, Geass I know. And Death we're Note. talking about like actual classics, Code Geass, yeah. Death Note, I mean, Full Metal course, Alchemist. Yeah, of course we're going to love those hard magic shows because the creative solutions are just so so amazing that of course we're going to remember them. Um, mm. Which kind of brings me <laughs> to My Hero Academia, which I, I guess is hard magic because they do kind of really explain fully in detail what each person's power does. Mm. But I don't think they really solve their conflict in a creative way. I think it's just people screaming at each other to solve the conflict. It's funny because I like to think that My Hero Academia actually has a hard magic system that's utilized like a soft magic system. Honestly, it feels like that. And I feel like that that the hard magic part is kind of lost. <laughs> it, it is. It is. It's kind of why I don't give a shit about My Hero Academia anymore, to be honest with you. It's because, like, okay, you got these interesting powers and, like, okay, the, some of these characters are just really cliched, shown in stereotypes, whatever. Uh, but, 
I mean, at least use these powers creatively. Like every character is given this unique power that seems to fit them personality wise. And that's cool. But then all you do is try and scream at each other and just blow shit up. Like, come on. Yeah. The thing about my hate academia is that like you explain the powers, but you don't use them for the creative solution. You know, you have good visuals, but they're not good enough to carry the show. I will say one thing that My Hero Academia does that I really wish more uh, fantasy-oriented stories did um, is they actually show practical applications for the magic that they oh, use. Oh, that's true. I, I really wish that more fantasy stories did this because so many, especially in anime, the only time you ever see the magic is during a fight. And I'm Mm. like, okay, these people have these powers all the time, right? They don't have to be fighting to use them. Surely these powers can also be used for practical purposes. Mm -hmm. I think that the setting and the theme and the general sort of feel of My Hero Academia is its strong point, Mm. um, if anything. It does that really it's 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 like it's a, I mean, it is a superhero kind of story. It it kind of sets itself up as like a Western-esque superhero type story just told Mm -hmm. through an anime or manga lens um but it also reads like modern fantasy right so i mean like durarara did this i mean and it did it so much better i mean obviously the magic in there is very limited but if you're gonna do like a modern fantasy thing show me modern fantasy i mean I, I mean, of course, Durara, the the setting, I love the setting, but I get the main appeal of Durara was, I guess, the mystery or I would say the directing, really. It was the directing. Well, that, but there's a lot of really great characters in that, too. Of course, of course. I do like the characters, but I mean, the unique thing about Durara is the directing. Yeah. And like I say, in Durara, the magic is very limited, but it is there. Yeah, my, my criticism, I, I also... Um, fell off the I liked my hero academia for a time and then I fell off I kind of got bored with it um yeah my criticism is that it, it honestly it does borrow a lot from both hard and soft magic systems and I don't think it fully it fully evolves to to bring those aspects of the system to full fruition so I feel like just... if it committed to, to one or the other it might actually be better for sure um, uh, but the fact that it tries to straddle the line, like there are there are anime and 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 fantasy stories out there that do straddle the line between hard and soft, but My Hero Academia tries to have both at the exact same time, and it doesn't work. Yeah, I don't think there. I feel like when you try and go with the middle ground between the hard and the soft, it it might not work out. Um, which is interesting because I have. Oh, as an example of something that is the middle ground um, is Overlord, because mm. Overlord, at least in the novels, goes in such in depth about. Actually, I was going to say it goes in depth about the how all of the uh, magic works, but I don't think it actually does. I think it rather. It goes more in depth about planning how to use the magic rather yeah. than how the magic actually works. Which you can, for some of it at least, you can infer how the magic works through that, but not all the time. So yes, I feel like Overlord, it's funny because, okay, I'm a little biased because I 
I'm pretty sure the the author has said in Overlord that he has based the show on Dungeons and Dragons. Like it's heavily inspired by yeah, Dungeons and yeah, Dragons. Yeah, pretty much. It's he said that it's heavily influenced by it, yes. And me as a someone who has recently got into Dungeons and Dragons and is v- like very in uh the know of how that game works. Um can easily extrapolate how the world of Overlord works without the author having to explain it to me. So from my perspective, you know, there's a hard magic system in Overlord because mm-hmm. I know the source material, Dungeons & Dragons, and I'm, I'm applying that, like, ob- it's obviously a hard magic because it's a game, you have to play it. So I'm applying that system to Overlord, but... Um, it's not actually the in in the actual story of Overlord. They don't actually explain much. So, you know, it, Overlord is a very weird, a very weird, <laughs> a very weird outlier in that it feels like it wants to, it wants to have a very specific magic system, but it doesn't quite explain it. Yeah, I mean, like you say, it there there's detailed explanations of characters planning on how to use their magic but very rarely does the author go into any great detail about how the magic itself actually works but like i say i think you can definitely infer some of how the magic works based on how the characters plan to do it but i honestly think in overlord it works the way it's done because it also gives you a great amount of world building for the setting itself showing you how these people plan to use the magic they have. Mhm. And it's also it also goes into character development too. So 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 just so the viewers know, you are not you don't know anything about how Dungeons and Dragons like the how the game is played, although we are going to start playing it soon. Yeah, like, I mean we yeah, we're definitely going to start doing that soon. Um in fact, by the time this comes out, we may actually be streaming it already. Maybe. Um so when you watched Overlord, did you think that the magic, how it interacted, was cheap? Or did you think it was fine the way they explained it? In the novel or in the anime? Because in the novel. I have two different well, I, answers to that. I think that. we all agreed that the anime did the novel dirty. So we'll just talk about the novel. Well, the first season was all right, but everything else is like, eh, eh, eh. Um, Like, could you say... hand wave the, the minimal um, explanation of the magic in Overlord? Oh, did that bug you? I would say in the beginning I was I was hand waving I could hand wave it pretty easily. Um now that I'm as far into the novel as I am, anytime there's an attempt to hand wave it I'm like, come on, man. Uh, it's <laughs> funny come because this like far. A, like a lot of the time Overlord like the main character is like I'm going to cast a fourth level spell or a seventh level spell or like this magic is on level of a third level spell and like they don't really explain what that means or how or they don't go into more depth of that. Yeah, it's, in the an, show. it's an attempt to show a scale, but like, what does this, you got to give me something to compare the scale to? Exactly. It's very, it's like they're, they're like, they're teasing you with like, I know exactly how this works and I'm going to explain it, but then they never explain it. Which would be, you know, if if the if the author of Overlord actually came out with like a handbook that showed like all the different spells and like the levels and what they mean and how to equate them with one another, like that would be fine. You don't even have to put it in your story. Make it like a supplemental material. Well, actually, that exists. It's called Dungeons and Dragons Player's Handbook. You okay. can buy it from Wizards of the Coast. <laughs> 
<laughs> but literally, I feel like that is literally like he doesn't want to explain it because it's already because <laughs> he. Maybe. maybe if you look at the if you look at the player's handbook for Dungeons and Dragons, maybe that is your answer. <laughs> Anyways, um, so like, I really like Overlord, um, even oh, though it. it does straddle the line between soft and hard magic, because I think that it it the focus of the show is not the magic; it is sort of. I would say the it's not really the characters either. I guess it's just the situations. It's like a sitcom kind of. It's, <laughs> it really is the situations. Is it's not so much about the magic. It's about the situations. <laughs> Overload is such a weird novel. I swear to God, I I can't it categorize it. But it is a huge outlier in the light novel like space for sure. For sure. Mm-hmm. I have a question for you though. Yes. So with this middle ground, right? Would you consider a, an anime that um, explains in detail how one aspect of their magic system works, but not another one, taking the middle ground? Yeah, I'm sure you have an example. I do. It's the Monogatari series. Wait, what is explained? Uh, it's very in very in depth, especially in the novels. Explained how vampires work. I see. Uh, but like how a lot of the other apparitions work or where they actually came from. It's not, it's not expressly detailed. Like there's, there's some explanation as to where they all came from and what they can do, but nothing is explained in Monogatari anywhere near as to the level of detail that vampires are. Yeah. I mean, I watched Monogatari for the script, not so much for the setting, but Mm. I can see if like I'm, if I did read the novel and I read about the, vampires um and i was interested in how they uh sort of built the world or or the setting around vampires i might get a little annoyed being like oh so you're gonna give me all this information about vampires and not about all the rest of the stuff and that might annoy me but in general i mean like in general a show cannot like have a perfect plot perfect characters perfect setting perfect everything because there's a limited runtime and you have to focus uh on something so as long as you do something right um and do the rest mediocre it can be a good story Um, i was just wondering if you would consider something like that to be a middle ground or if it's just like soft magic with one aspect of a hard magic system oh that's difficult I it's hard to I mean, say. Like, I think we I think a lot of people agree, especially fans of Monogatari. You don't come for the magic; you come for the character interactions. I mean, well, how does Monogatari solve the conflict? I would say, isn't it with screaming? I feel like it's a talking. soft magic system. A lot of talking. <laughs> oh dear. I mean, yeah, I feel like knowing the specifics of the magic system isn't too relevant to solving the conflict. So I would say it's a soft magic system. Okay, I just didn't know if you would consider that a middle ground where like one specific aspect of the magic is explained very well, but the rest of it isn't. It could very well be. It's hard for me to make a uh, a judgment when I don't actually know. I haven't read the novel, so Mm. Um, I did. (laughs) Let me just put it this way. The the writing in the Monogatari novels, there's way more attention or, or way more time and pages spent to describing the panties that the characters are wearing as opposed mm-hmm. to the magic that they're using. Mm-hmm. So, um, I mean, I, I do think that if you take a middle ground between soft and hard magic, for the most part, it's going to 
uh, not turn out. It, I'm not going to enjoy it. I don't think that's a good idea to take a, a two medium of a stance between the two magic systems. Yeah, I, I noticed you, you say that, but I know that three of the four examples you wrote down here on this dog I'm looking at are things you like that you wrote down for middle ground. I don't know about that. Um, I It's funny because we brought up Overlord, but I didn't want to bring up Overlord because it is an outlier. Um, and I do think it's a good novel. You should definitely read it. But you it. also wrote down Grimoire, which I know you like. Okay, no, we're and not going to talk about that. And wrote down Don Machi, which you and I both admit is trash, but we like it. No, okay. I don't like Don Machi. I've changed my... You lie. You I liked, lies and deceit. I liked Hestia when she first came out. But I don't like the show anymore because it's just so boring. No lies and deceit. I know you're going to watch the fourth season. I don't think so. I don't think so. So I didn't want to talk about Don Machi because I think that's a perfect example of where taking a middle ground ends up with a failure of a show. (laughs) (laughs) No, I like Don Machi. Listen, to everyone watching, yes, I admit Don Machi is trash, but it's trash I gotta have. Okay. The thing about Danmachi is that, you know, it's very clearly based on video games and stuff that mm. uh, is based on video. You know, video games have clear rules. They have, obviously, or else they can't function, you know, like. Well, sort of, so does D&D. You have to program in, like, this ability does this damage, this. You have set amount of health, you have set amount of energy, whatever. Um. So when you make a show based on a video game, in that sense, in like an RPG video game, um, you're working with the hard magic system. And with Damaji, the conflict is solved by screaming at each other, even though the basis of what the show is trying to do is based on a hard magic concept. So the plot of Damaji is just so boring because it's... Uh, there's no there's no tension there's no nothing and i feel that that stems from taking a middle ground between the two systems i think a lot of the tension is is not there because at least for the main character bell's perspective there's always people coming in to save him i guess so but like even when there's like a big battle between people i don't really care i have no (laughs) investment because it's the magic system is just so all over the place that it's not an interesting event for me when people fight which is uh, which is fair enough like if if you don't understand how the magic system works or you just don't care then whatever anyone does with that system is probably not going to interest you at all exactly (laughs) which is kind of exactly how i feel about attack on titan not that (laughs) um yeah, so if you want if you want to uh, hear Alex's full thoughts on why he hates Attack on Titan, you can listen to our spoiler <laughs> There's like cast. five, what, no, six episodes now just <laughs> of Natai losing his shit. Oh, no. Um, I don't know if we want to talk about Grimgar. I don't have fully formed thoughts about Grimgar. <laughs> Grimgar I... is another show that is basically based on a video game. This is how, hearing you talk about Grimgar, this is how I think you feel about Grimgar. But, you know, feel free to tell me I'm wrong. Like, you love the idea of Grimgar, but you're not uh, sure whether you like Grimgar. Wait, what do you mean? Like the show? Yeah, well, not the show, but I mean, because you've read the novels, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, like, you like the idea of where the story could go, but is the story gonna go there? 
I don't know. Actually, I have no idea what you're saying. Where? <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> I don't know where you want me to want where the story is going to go. <laughs> I feel like I feel like you want to like it more than you do. That's definitely true. Um, I think, okay, so I've, I've, I've formed some iota of a thought on Grimgar. So, I mean, okay, the relation to magic systems is that clearly it's based on, you know, video games. So there's a hard magic base to it. But the conflicts are usually, are usually not, there's like, okay, there's a few, con- there's a few conflicts at the very beginning of the show and novel where they use tactics and they use, you know, a good distribution of their abilities and how they interact and that's a very hard magic and that's a very you know good i like that um but as the show and the novel progresses uh further and further it's less about tactics and more about um you know it's it, it just it just fights just happen they don't there's no tactics really it's they just happen um and I'm kind of hung up on Grimgar because I think as an adventure story, it's very good. But as a hard magic story, which is the sort of base of the fighting system in Grimgar, it's not good. I really like the idea at the beginning where they like really faithfully replicated uh, RPG fighting with a healer and a tank and a DPS but they didn't really stick with that as the novel went on. So they went kind of morphed more into an adventure story. Mm. Um, I do like Grimgar because it does, it does adventure really well, but I certainly love the world of Grimgar. I do love the world of Grimgar, but as the heart, as a hard magic anime, it kind of gave up that aspect of it for a different focus so it kind of failed in that aspect. I haven't read the novels, but from just an anime perspective, I feel like if Grimgar had actually been a longer running anime, it probably would have been better. Like it's what? Is it 13 episodes? Around that. Yeah, it's it's like a 12, 13 episode, like single season anime. And I'm like, th- there seems to be so much here that we never got to see. And it's like, just bring it back for another season or two. I think you could get there. For sure. I think after what you see in the anime, the show becomes less about tactics, which is unfortunate mm. because I definitely would love a show about, you know, RPG tactics that isn't trash, but I guess we'll have to wait for something else that comes around. I also feel like in, in Grimgore's case, like this doesn't really have much to do with the magic system, but... um the reason that I kind of took to it, and I think maybe you too, is because, I mean, despite it being a fantasy story, and, and it is it is technically an isekai, um, it feels kind of grounded, and it feels real, because it genuinely feels like there are stakes at hand for these characters that they might not survive. Mm-hmm. And it also, like, goes out of a, its way to portray the characters, you know, when they're bathing, when they're eating, when they're sleeping. It sort of paints, when they're shopping, it's, it sort of paints a picture that they're, like, actually living in this world. They're real people, mm-hmm. you know. I'm pretty sure they, they went to the washroom as well. Um, that, But, like, it really shows that, that like... It does really make you feel like it's a, this is a real situation rather than 
a super fantastical situation that they're yeah. in. Anyway, I just wanted to bring that up because I think a lot of people have kind of forgotten Grimgar and like it is really good. Grimgar is really good. I would recommend it. I would definitely recommend the novel. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think we can segue into sort of our final analysis kind of where mm-hmm. I thought it would be interesting to talk about Mr. Brandon Sanderson's Three Laws of Magic, which are basically his recommendations on how to write magic. Mm. Um, So his first law, or I guess recommendation, is that an author's ability to solve conflict with magic is directly proportional to how well the reader understands said magic. So basically, um, the more you explain how your superpowers work, the more you can solve the conflict with those superpowers. Mm. So in a hard magic system where they explain the superpowers, then the climax of solving the conflict, it makes sense that the superpowers would solve the conflict. But in a soft magic system where they don't, if you have like a, a large conflict happening and it's solved by superpowers, it's going to feel cheap. Because it's going to feel um, like undeserved because, you know, there isn't there isn't like a, it's not a creative solution. It's just it feels very heavy handed in a soft magic system. You want to solve conflict in other ways, like with character moments or with aspects of the plot that you described more. Um, and I definitely agree with this law. Um because or recommendation um and it does uh very succinctly tie together what's good and what's bad about soft and hard magic and Mm. and depending on how like for i guess um authors um it really helps recommend what what are you envisioning for your story it and in that vision it helps you decide whether to use a soft or hard magic system. Yeah, I 100% agree. Uh, I think, especially the part about how well the reader understands said magic, if if you as a reader or, or, or a viewer don't understand the magic that's being used or the magic system that's being used, you're probably not going to enjoy it when the, the creator tries to solve a problem in the story with that magic. Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess, like, looking at these examples of soft magic, like Fire Force, let's say, um, you could, or, like, just most of these, I mean, I guess they solve their, it's, it's, they solve their conflicts by screaming, but the screaming is, like, more like uh, a, a manifestation of their emotions. So, like, you could say that they're solving the the conflict by having an emotional spike, which like is like for oftentimes that's like friendship or like anger or like some sort of closure that they're finding. You know, it's usually an emotional moment and then they scream and then they solve the conflict, which would make Magic sense. Magic is stored in the vocal cords. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The <laughs> um yeah, which I guess makes sense with that recommendation where they're not using, they're not necessarily using 
their powers to solve the conflict. It's more that it's the emotions that are solving the conflict. But maybe that's uh, that might be too optimistic of a viewpoint because a lot of these shows like Jujutsu Kaisen, Tokyo Ghoul, One Punch Man, kind of do solve their conflict by, um, by just but with this with the powers that they don't explain. Mm. Um, well, and, they just beat the shit out of people with their fists. Yeah, and. Uh, I still find them enjoyable to watch, mostly because the just the the visuals are so mm. beautiful that I don't really care. Well, I guess it it makes it so that I'm not invested in the plot. I guess that's the real problem here is that because they're not they're solving the problem the conflict with uh the superpowers that they didn't explain. I'm not invested in the plot, but I am. I am. It's an enjoyable thing to watch. There, yeah, there's nothing wrong with that, though. I mean, there, it's perfectly acceptable to enjoy an anime simply for its visuals. For sure. And I guess that's that might be uh, a sort of discordance between the analysis of anime and looking at Brandon Sanderson's descriptions, because I believe Brandon Sanderson is specifically talking about written medium of yeah. uh, novels whereas anime there's another aspect to the... yeah i mean yeah with, with a novel you don't have like an ost you don't have animation you don't have i mean i guess you could have art because there could be like inserts with with illustrations in them but that's that's it so yeah so there might be a loophole to the first law because you can solve the problems with uh poorly explained magic as long as it looks good <laughs> well, as long as you have the budget to back it up, then it'll it'll be fine to watch. I say solving the conflict may be a little generous. You can you can have an enjoyable, uh, an enjoyable episode or sequence. Oh, oh yeah, and not not necessarily have the reader or the watcher understand what the magic is doing. For yeah, you definitely bring up a big point. Like the the overarching conflict or the major conflict still should not be solved with unexplained magic because. Yeah. That's just not an interesting way. It's, you're not you're gonna lose your uh, viewers. You're going. But to... if you have like one little instance where a character is using magic and it's not really solved, like so what? As long as the overarching story is, that's fine. Yeah. So that is interesting. Um, we can talk about his second law or recommendation, which is that weaknesses, limits, and costs are more interesting than powers, which I 100% agree with this. Yeah, 100% agree. Um, Like, in ReZero, a lot of the characters can just blast people, like completely just blow them up. Yeah, some some character that looks like they're five years old can blast someone that looks like they're about seven feet tall and weigh 800 pounds. Which is not too interesting and that is sort of like an unlimited power in re-zero whereas i think one of the most perfect uh, examples of this is code geass where the the power is that you can compel someone to do whatever you tell them to but the weakness is that you there's a lot of weaknesses like it's only once per person you have to look them in the eye they have to hear you you know and those weaknesses, those limitations, are what makes using the power so interesting. Because all, uh, and and the cost, especially to Lelouch. 
Oh, for sure, because um, I don't remember what he he. There's some cost on him specifically. No, no, I mean, like the cost of like how he's losing friends and he has oh, to live for this sure. like yes, yes. He has to lose live this like isolationist life. That's um so. This rule can apply to superpowers, but it can also apply to characters in general. So, like for Lelouch, the 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 limits and and costs and weaknesses to his character, to his like mental state, are mm. definitely more interesting than his like his strengths as a character. That's what makes us invested in characters as well. In my opinion, that's more like intriguing as a story point than the actual power itself is the cost of him using this power to him personally. We love a broken man. I, we do. <laughs> that's one thing you and I agree on. We like broken no, man characters. Stop. <laughs> Um, but yeah, even even in stories without superpowers, you know, uh, characters with flaws are a hundred percent more interesting than mm. perfect characters. For sure, because, for sure. Because um, they're more relatable. They have more. They're more um, like there's ro- there's room for growth. There's a story to be told. Whereas a perfect character, the story's already been told. There's nothing more to learn there. Um, yeah. And the same goes for obviously superpowers. Um, so that's, that's definitely a great rule that Miss, Mr. Brandon Sanderson has. Uh, and I guess. I like how the... you keep saying his full name. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a meme that I have, uh, started saying, um, miss in front of everyone's name. Um, so now I'm going to just say Mr. in front of Mr. Brandon Sanderson's <laughs> name. <laughs> I hate myself. Okay, so. <laughs> I can't wait until you use that on John. <laughs> what? Can't wait till you use that on John. See, okay, I will call you Miss if I don't respect you, and Mr. if I, okay, you know what, we're not going to go into this. I would call John Miss, but I would not call him Mr. It's very oh complex. <laughs> it's my complex. Okay. I hope, you, I hope you're listening to this, John, while you're editing. <laughs> I see John as a miss. Okay, you know, it's fine. You know, we're not going to do this here. Okay. <laughs> Mr. Brandon Sanderson's last word. A uh, last uh, law. Last words. <laughs> I hate it here. His last wa- law of magic. I'm breaking down. Okay. Is that <clears throat> the author should expand on what is already a part of the magic system before something entirely new is added as this may otherwise entirely change how the magic system fits into the fictional world so basically if you introduce something finish explaining what you introduced before you start introducing other stuff which Mm. i'm sure is your problem with attack on titan (laughs) Uh, it's, it's certainly part of it. Um, yeah, that, that's a, a big part of it, actually. Um, I don't really know if I want to go into it too much because I feel like it's spoilers. Oh, God. Yeah, don't go into spoilers. But for Attack on Titan, that was definitely a big frustrating, uh, that frustrated me a lot that they would introduce, you know, certain aspects of the world, not fully explain them. And then continue introducing things and just continue, continually introduce new aspects of the world and never explain anything. 
Um, and that made actually, me so frustrated. In general, like I hate that that way of writing too. Like it, it's not even exclusive to Attack on Titan. That this manner of writing, where something is introduced and then like it goes away for a while, and you're just expected as a reader, it's like, wait, it'll be explained later. Like, no, tell me now. It's I can forgive Attack on Titan because to me they did fully explain it eventually. Um. That that's the thing though. Like, how long do you wait? Like, how long is too long? I can definitely see that as being a criticism. I mean, it depends on what you want from a show and what kind of shows you like. And uh, again, Attack on Titan toes the line between being, or I guess, sort of just like smashes the line of being um, overly complicated and convoluted. Um, and I can definitely see that being a turnoff for a lot of people. Um, but for me, it worked out. <laughs> I don't know. I'm, ha- I'm happy for you. <laughs> I know it did not work out for my sister who tried, who was watching, I think she watched like the first season of Attack on Titan. And then I attempted to explain to her how the, how like, like all of the mysteries, how they um, got solved and she was like yeah no i don't i'm done and i'm like i totally understand <laughs> see see wise woman <laughs> yeah um why can't we get her on this podcast <laughs> girl <laughs> <laughs> she'll just be squealing about uh tamaki from Uran host club all i mean all episode i ha- i see no problems with this oh no not this um <laughs> like i said wise woman well uh so i mean this last rule that he has i would say i mean i guess you could say like attack on titan definitely falls into this but i uh for me attack it worked out for attack on titan so but i do think that it is generally a good idea to explain Mm. fully your uh your magic system because Otherwise, you just you're gonna lose the patience of your audience, and they're not gonna con- they're not gonna continue your story. I think this... the fact that Attack on Titan retained such a big audience is because it had more than just um, a mystery. You know, it had really good visuals, really good OST. Um, it had yeah, sure. other aspects of the show that kept people's uh, t- attention. Yeah, I will say one thing though. Um, one anime that. Like exemplifies this last law is Full Metal Alchemist, because anytime a new character is introduced, like an actual alchemist that has a different power, it's almost immediately explained. I'm mean, not almost immediately, but pretty soon after they're introduced, explained how their powers work, and then they use them. Yes, um, I mean that is a very that's a very good use of of how to how to like introduce new concepts and incorporate them into your world because um otherwise you it's just going to be a mess and i obviously like that's a, a definite pitfall that a lot of authors can fall into but i mean i, I don't i don't want to keep going back to the tag time but i do think that it might be an outlier because i've I feel like the author clearly did this on purpose, not because he was sloppy, which may work or may not, but it was something intentional that he did. So, uh, again, I think the the main loophole 
in this law is that it doesn't take account for that we're applying it to a visual and audio medium mm-hmm. that can have other distracting factors that can carry the show until um the the system is fully explained it's like with the, with the anime in particular you can visually show how something works without like actually explaining it with words that is true which is something you can't do in a novel that is true um i would like to point out though before we kind of wrap up on this is um there is a zeroth law to this oh okay. <laughs> and i think what it's i think it's it's generally just good writing advice what? <laughs> it's mm-hmm. always air on the side of what's awesome. Well, <laughs> I mean that that's very just good writing advice, advice isn't it? <laughs> this is very generic advice. And to me, that advice is the same as just like get good. <laughs> just just, <laughs> just think, do what's no, great. <laughs> that's just, I, I said that's just generally good writing advice. No matter what, if you're writing fantasy or science fiction or even um like fucking mystery or or romance like always err on the side of what's awesome the only time where you don't necessarily have to do that i guess is if you're writing a slice of life i guess so um i just thought that was entertaining the way that that, that's written (laughs) always err on the side of what's awesome you just get that get that on a t-shirt honey yeah but these are i think all three of these laws are are generally good writing advice if you're doing fantasy for sure very good advice they might not be perfectly applicable to all mediums but mm. they're a good uh starting block to keep certainly in i think it's 100 percent applicable to writing like to just novels or light novels um honestly actually uh thinking of the third law that you have to explain fully things you know i you can apply that to durarara because like they really don't explain things at the beginning but it eventually all comes together or stuff like bakano um but i think it works for those kind of shows but it only works for a certain audience that wants that because not all audiences will have the patience to stick around for that I think with particularly with Dorada and Bakano is the the plot relies way more on the mystery element of it than the magic that's being utilized. But but the the idea is that you want to fully explain something before you introduce mm. other things and Bakano and Dorada doesn't explain the plot, like the mystery. They don't explain the micro mystery at the beginning and they just keep adding in other micro mysteries. Until at the very end, you can finally piece it all together, which kind of goes against the the sort of um, spirit of the advice that the third law is trying to give. Um, and Juara uh, and Bakno are both novels, um, and I assume I haven't read them, but I assume that it works for the novel as it works for the anime. Um, so I feel like the third law might be. I'm I'm sure there are loopholes to each of these laws in some cases, mm. but f- I mean, for the most part, they are solid advice. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there's probably going to be a couple of outliers here and there, but I think, yeah, like like you say, generally good, solid advice. Yeah, we love Mr. Brandon Sanderson. Please check out <laughs> his Miss Ward and Stormlight archive. <laughs> we are not sponsored, <laughs> um, but I guess this is the Brandon Sanderson episode. It's a great episode. Uh, I I guess that is it. Um, thank you all out there for dropping in to listen to us. 
check the description below to find links to Anime Club After Dark on Twitch, social media, and Discord. Check out our merch store and our affiliate links as well. Any purchases there will really help us out. And with that, I have been your host, Sho, and we will see you next time. Say goodnight, Alex. Good night. Good night. Come on.